Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Smartwater. Not satisfied being like other brands, Smartwater looked up at the clouds and said, I wonder if we can one-up Mother Nature for a purer, crisper water. And guess what? They did. Smartwater. Vapor distilled for purity, electrolytes for taste. Welcome back to The Eater Upsell, a podcast from our very own podcast network, the Vox Media Podcast Network. My name is Daniel Janine. I am a producer at Eater. I am joined by Amanda Clute, the editor-in-chief. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Dan. Amanda, I have this new app on my phone mm-hmm. called We Croak, and every four or every, sorry, every couple hours, it reminds me that I am going to die. I've heard about this app. Yeah. I think from Kara Swisher. Really? Oh, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, you she, mentioned. I think she's a fan. Yeah. Yeah. We thought it would be super fun to talk about things that die in restaurants. Yes. Because our, our very own Hillary Dixler wrote a piece called about how plant, house plants are dying in restaurants. Well, they're not house plants. They're restaurant plants. They're rest, sorry, restaurant plants. There's a new trend in restaurants to just cover everything with plants. Yeah. But you know what? You got to take care of those plants. And so you, Upsell listener, may have already seen a dead plant in a restaurant this year. Yeah. All kinds of things die in restaurants. Yep. Another thing that uh, dies in restaurants is mm. eels. Eels. Yeah. Um, other things that we're not even going to talk about. People. I bet tons of people have died in restaurants. Lots of restaurant deaths. Uh, vermin. Lots, lots of, of bugs. Well, this and... is going to be part one. We're gonna we're gonna do hopefully do a, another one. If of you these. know of something that died in a restaurant, yeah, let us know so or we can it's... include it in part two. Maybe we'll just do a whole podcast about death. It's not impossible. Why not? Even if it's a little bit of a stretch, we're willing. But anyway, let's just get right into it. Yeah. Up first, this is Chef Will Horowitz of Harry and Ida's and Ducks Eatery in Manhattan. He is he is a chef, but formerly he was a survivalist, a professional survivalist, and 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 is focuses on a lot of techniques used by Native American tribes and people 400, Very 500, thousands of years ago. Sustainability. Yeah. But the point of this upcoming story is that He's had to murder a lot of eels in his restaurant. Yeah. And it's very disgusting. If you are not subscribed to the podcast, please remember to hit the subscribe button on whatever app you're using and enjoy the upcoming podcast experience. Things that die in restaurants. Part one. Will Horowitz. Well, you, you've killed a lot of eels in your life, and we, we talked about it at one point, but I guess, <laughs> you know, just broader butchering in restaurants. Well, talk about the eels. What, what goes what goes on with these eels? Yeah, I think I want to hear about the eels. Yeah, let's do eels. So for a long time, especially when we first opened Harry and that is, but even our ducks, which was very difficult because it's a small kitchen. Right. These are we New York were, restaurants. Yeah, we were getting eels in, and we have an eel guy, although... Currently, I'm on the outs with him. We had, oh, a little, no. we had a little fight, me and the eel guy, but he's a pretty fine guy. His name's Barefoot Bill. And he would come there to the restaurant, and you knew he was coming because you would hear from like a mile away people like hooting and hollering a bit because he had this big like F 150 truck, and it was really old. And by the way, it's called Barefoot Bill, and that's not my name. That's actually the name of like everyone in the area, Connecticut, that knows him, <laughs> calls him by that. And. <laughs> On the truck, he has these four 500-gallon uh, tanks in the back with a bunch of wires kind of duct taped to the side of the truck hooked up to his car battery. And because the eels, like, have you ever seen, like, eels in, like, you know, if you go to Chinatown or whatever, mm-hmm. they have, like, almost this, like, mucusy sort of film on them. And so something about that mixed with the aeration of, like, the, the water, the air pumps and stuff into the aquariums where the holding tanks, it looked like... Uh, the best way I can describe it is kind of like a weird, 
sort of 1990s MTV pool house party, like coming down the street. So there'd be just like massive amounts of bubbles just like flowing out everywhere. <laughs> and then he would stop in front of the place. And it's like this big hysterical like guy. And, you know, he'd usually have a driver with him with, you know, equally like two or three teeth. And they would come out of the, they would come out of the truck and they would just start just like start picking out these eels, throwing them into these buckets in front of the restaurant. Oh so it was kind of a show. Was he bare, um, barefoot? Yeah, he would be barefoot. All, no way. All the time. In, in these village. In okay. Wow. And in these village, he would be barefoot. It's risky. So, but the the funny thing is, is the guy was actually. Um, a marine biologist and was working off like grants by like this you know state to like do sustainable eeling, mm-hmm. you know because it's been such a big you know problem in the past. Um, but yeah, eel guys are crazy. Um, that's probably a different podcast, but <laughs> it's um. So we so were we, taking. We should say that you sell you sell a, fa- a famous yeah, eel smoked eel sandwich. Yeah, for a long time we only do it seasonal, um, and you know so we could kind of maintain it being local. And we were gang for a long time, like maybe 100, 150 eel a week. And it was just brutal. And we were having like other top restaurants come in. I think we had done the class for uh, for when Leitner was still at Terra and a bunch of other restaurants. And we were teaching eel classes because no one, you know, breaks learns how to break down the eel in this country. They don't, they don't anymore, teach, they don't teach know? that in so, culinary school. Yeah, they didn't <laughs> teach that in, in Johnson, Wales. And um, so, so, so we were doing that for a while. It was pretty fun. But... You know, it's very difficult to kill 100, 150 eels. And I guess I mean that from, like, well, the moral value of it. But but, uh, but actually, just, like, logistically, it's actually very hard <laughs> to kill that many eels. I mean, they're really kind of brutal. And you, like, when you first get started, you kind of make these mistakes that are pretty comical, honestly. Because, you know, you get the eels and you put them in, like, a big cooler or something. But, like, it only takes one time to realize that you have to put, like, weights on the cooler because coming into your restaurant at, like, 7 in the morning to oh find God. out there's, like, 100, like, eels Just in, like, around. every nook and corner of your restaurant oh is, like, totally screwed up, you know? Um, and so I think the first time we had done the eels, though, was it was – I think it was – I want to say it was for – one of those like uh, taste talks, maybe it was, or like the All Star Barbecue thing they mm-hmm. used to throw. I don't think they do that anymore. Um, and so we thought we were going to do that, and it was going to be we were going to have a fun night of it, just breaking down eels. And we had never really done it before, and this was seven, eight years ago. My grandfather used to, he was a fisherman on Orient, Long Island, and so I have these memories of him like running around the deck with like a baseball bat, <laughs> these things <laughs> flopping around. So it wasn't like the most like yeah. romanticized like unagi <laughs> like tradition mm-hmm. like you've ever seen. And then he'd you know like stick them whole, uh, getting them into like a refrigerator that was, you know, made up, you know, rigged up to be a smoker. Um, but so we tried to do it a little bit more artisanal than that. And um, and so we had this idea that we were going to break them all down. And the first time we do it for this Taste Talks event, you know, we're getting like 100 or something in. And I think we started at like 5 in the afternoon. And, of course, we don't leave the restaurant until like 6 in the morning. Oh, my God. That day. Because we just How long are these eels? So they're about um, – I say they're – so we get eels that range about a pound to about two pounds, a pound and a half or so. And that's probably maybe two feet or so. Mm-hmm. But like, if you don't know what you're doing, and this is what happened the first time, and this was you know years ago, it's like the best thing I could relate it to. If you're a chef, it's like trying to imagine you're trying to re- to break down a a 
Goodyear tire that's actively trying to wrap around your arm. <laughs> that's like probably the best scenario that I could relate to. So it's it's not great. It's not a good yeah. situation. I've seen a lot of great chefs fail at. But then by years later, we're like custom making our own like eel knives, and like we got like down got perfectly. Down. We're but like I think Ducks Eatery had like for a while we were doing like enough eels so that we can do over there like. Unagi like liver pate specials and things like that because it's doxy tree and we wow. can do whatever we want there. Talk about so like the first time you ever killed an eel. What do you? Well, you like chop the head off first. Yeah, like, did you get out the baseball bat? The well, I'm not. Well, or also, I guess you, you want to put it in the I fridge. I should say that. I should say I don't love kill. I mean, like I hunt and like do all that stuff, but like I still get like emotional when I do it. So, so you're. Like, crying yeah like i'm kind of crying and like blame me on like some onions that are around the way and like I'm, and and so and so the way we do it is because you can't knock them out you can't like you can't it's not like a lobster you can't like cut the front or something um and it's because they still have all these you know kind of mm-hmm. electric you know impulses going on inside their nervous mm. system and so they, even if it's de- if it's headless, it will still it's like it's a still chicken. floppy. It's, it's still like wrap oh, wow. around your arm while you're do- while you're doing oh it God. for like a while. So Ugh. like one of those snap bracelets. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like a giant snap bracelet that also has teeth. Um, although those things were dangerous for a while, weren't they? The they snap were, bracelets. Yeah, there was like a whole thing. There was there a craze a for thing. those things. There was a thing. They were mm-hmm. like cutting kids' wrists because it was breaking <laughs> yeah, through like the fabric. So yeah, the like metal. It was like a thing. Yeah, it was the metal ones. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, so maybe it is comparable. Yeah. But so it's um. So anyway, so the way that most people do it when they are, you know, I think of higher skill set than I started off mm-hmm. was like if you go to Japan. And like some of those traditional nagi houses or Korea, they're they're taking them out of ice water, and so the ice water is making them more dormant mm-hmm. and slowing mm-hmm. them down. So it's a little bit easy. But in order to do that, well, <laughs> a they're you know maybe not doing so many at a time, and b is they're they've been doing it for so long that they can break it down in like five seconds. So mm-hmm. it's such a quick process right. that like it doesn't even affect it if it's starting to move a little bit. If it's past like ten seconds. It's going to start, like, moving and stuff on you no matter what. So you have to be, like, a serious, like, professional. I mean, like, donate your life to this to be able to do that. <laughs> and that many. Yeah. Like, when we, if you go into Harry Nettis, there's still, like, a 120-gallon fish tank there. Because I had this, like, over-romanticized idea that we were going to wake up every morning, like, some <laughs> sort of cheesy, like, chef's table episode and, like, break down, like, you know, eel like per customer <laughs> or something, you know? Right, all of them eel killing. I have my mind thinking. <laughs> so, but yeah. when you when you watch fancy videos of people bringing, you drive a stake through the head, right? Yeah, I've seen that where they the attach stake? the eel head to a board or yeah, something. So, so, the way we do it now, and it's not well, what the about most the first one? hospitable way, is the first ones we were just. Just throwing re- wrestle, on the table and going them. for it. And yeah, I mean, this was like a three-person process for like a foot-long eel. <laughs> um, so everyone's holding it down a bit. But, um, That's so, so creepy. Yeah, super creepy. Um, but uh, they weren't so delicious. So the way we do it now is, for, or at least for a while, we were using salt. And salt is kind of brutal. I'm not going to lie. It is not, I don't want to be salted to death. 
<laughs> like oh I don't God. think any of it. I mean, I don't want to. Is the effect place, like like on a slug? Like it? What does it I mean, do it to them? It doesn't disintegrate them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it does the mucus part a little bit, which Ooh. is nice because it does take that off. And mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you know, it's like kind of gnarly. I don't really mm-hmm. want to like get that all over me all the time. So that is kind of nice. But yeah, it it kills them after like a couple. You know, they start suffocating after a couple seconds and then they're like fully dead after like a minute or two and so it's really not the best process for doing it but when you're doing 120 eel at a time mm-hmm. you gotta think you about yourself you have to yeah. and and so and that was how someone had taught us for a while I know that in Korea they also use like um I think actually like rice flour and stuff to do a similar thing. Huh. And we tried that and that was interesting, but like it also looked like we were baking a cake on meth <laughs> by the end of it. So it was a little crazy in our kitchen. Um, the So after we do that, what we'll do is we'll spray them off and we'll get that mucus layer off and we'll actually throw them what on. What do you spray them with? Just water. Just, water? Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just water, cold water. And we'll throw them on the board and we have all these boards with holes in them. And we'll use um, big, old-fashioned, like, those square flooring nails. And we have right. a wall full of mallets. <laughs> and we literally <laughs> go towards the eel on the back side, and we hammer right through the, the head. And we wow. and we have these special, I have these, these old, like, butchering machetes that we actually got uh, one of our knife guys to kind of carve down into these southern Japanese knives for us because <laughs> we found that all the knife stores here were selling us, like, $15 eel knives for, like, $300. So... We just started custom making our own, and we just go right down the backside, and we have it. We have it down. We have a good, like, yeah. solid process going for a while. It's been a bit since we've gotten them, but we're going. We'll probably start getting them next week or so over at Ducks again. But the reason this came up is I remember we were talking about doing a, a video thing at one point, and you're like, "I kill so many of these eels." It started to make me feel a little <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel great about it. Like, it's not ideal. Like, I mean, during season, it's like what 150 a week. Uh, yeah, you, we and you were, just yeah, do it in we mass. Yeah. yeah, oh my god. Yeah, I mean, we'll still like every year is a little different whether or not like we want to do it. Mm-hmm. And like you know, obviously this year has been a little weird for us in terms of the things we've been. You know, yeah. now I feel the same way about you know how many watermelons I've killed in the last <laughs> two stupid weeks. Um, but it's uh, but yeah, we're gonna start again for sh- for sure. I'm trying to convince. I mean, we got all sorts of weird stuff we're trying to throw in our smoker right now. I'm trying to convince. One of my farmers to start breeding squirrels for us, but we'll see if that happens. <laughs> Why bother sure. with eels? Is it good good business, or is it a thing you want? <laughs> or it's just so delicious. Yeah, I wish I did things more for yeah. for, for the business. Um, um, no, it's just because it's delicious. It's just because, like, you know, our whole point in study is, like, mm-hmm. was, was always been how do we um, take a second look at, like, all these, like, different techniques uh, that were totally popular, you know, from our history around here. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, my background is studying a lot of, you know, First Nation uh, groups and early settler-type history when it comes to cooking and, and how to preserve food. And, and you know, and on that, it's not a novelty. It's it's because eel is actually really, really delicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you and, you, know? and you smoke it and then put it in a sandwich. Yeah. We were smoking and putting it in a sandwich. We were using the back fat for a long time. Everything will get made into stocks. The skin is, like unbelievably good mm. I got had a brief moment where I was getting into curing the skin I made myself a wallet but it fell apart <laughs> <Whoa>. um, <laughs> and then um, and then yeah I mean like a lot of stuff like 
we were carrying over. So like we were you using were walking a, around with a homemade eel skin wallet for a while. Yeah, it sounds weird. <laughs> well, no, this is weird. It sounds, but it's, but it wasn't like you know, it wasn't like still alive. It was <laughs> like you know, it was cured. It was like a leather kind. Yeah, yeah. As best I could. But it was um and like the you know it was you know the stocks were really really good because we would reduce those into these like super super sticky beautiful shoes and like we would use them at Doc's Eatery for a while. I think. Maybe Contra, while there, they were using them for, like, maybe a smoked eel skin vinaigrette for a while. And they're just, they're just good. It's mm-hmm. super, super rich. And it really was, like, we were, like, at the time, this is, like, three or four years ago, we were, like, hi-ho on, like, bacon of the sea, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know? If I want to make some eel at home, are there fish stores around New York that will yeah. sell me some eel? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, there's actually some places in Chinatown where you can get eel, and I'm pretty sure they get it from my same gu- my same guy. Mm-hmm. And most of the eel the guys here, guy. they're really bait guys. So they, like, it's a crazy world of bait game. Mm-hmm. Like, they go to, like, all the fishing bait <laughs> shops, like, all up the eastern seaboard. And that's, like, their deal. Like, if you go into any mm-hmm. bait shop from here or from really Maine to North Carolina and you say, oh, uh, is eel? Oh, I, I got eel guy's name is Barefoot Bill. I guarantee you he's going to either laugh and be like, oh, I know Barefoot Bill or tell you to get out. But either way, he's going to know him. <laughs> he knows who he is. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the, f- the final question. Oh, we should say that eels bleed a lot. That's another factor. Yeah, right? we, we, we try to, uh, you know, what we try to do is as we, c- you know, cut them uh, right underneath the head, we try to bleed them out into a bucket mm-hmm. of ice water as fast as we can. It seems like the can last. Can you do eel blood sausage? That's an interesting one. I would honestly, I would love to do that. We were doing a lot of work with the intestines and hey. heart and stuff like that. But yeah. honestly, we've we've never. God, that's crazy. I've never actually even thought about that. Um, I've never done a fish of blood sausage yeah. in my There's life. There's got to be a reason why no one does it. No, I'm gonna do it now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll try that's, that's it. Pretty smart. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. So I mean, why, we try to use everything. Why are you on the outs with Barefoot Bill? Oh, he's he's just kind of a jerk but that, that's all i mean i hope he doesn't listen to this but he uh, probably <laughs> he does. probably does it. um <laughs> nah, i mean he he's um it's just it's just hard to get these types of guys into the city and, mm-hmm. and i don't blame him i mean it sucks getting around here you know so i mean most of these guys that are doing something like this like you know we have you know o- oyster guys that just you know steamer guys crab guys and they're all they're all you know more crabby and bitter than the next kind of you know they're like just local dudes you know <laughs> yeah and and they you know we love that what their product is for the artisanal value and like most of those guys like hate it because <laughs> right. they're like out there in the yeah, mud like dealing with this stuff every day um and um now like i think we'll get going again like we've been the past three years you know i've been like super super invested into seaweed and stuff that's been like our big thing helping build seaweed farms and stuff and so our the company we work with green wave is in um they're uh right right by thimble islands um and so that's actually right where the eels come from so oh, cool. trying to work a system here a, a eel seaweed ensemble <laughs> coming into <laughs> the city so if that we can make that good. happen we'll be eels great well thanks so much for telling the story. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> amanda yeah. What's the dumbest way that you've ever tried to get a job? Do you got anything? The dumbest way. I used to 
try to get jobs is just like submit my resume through whatever the stupid mm-hmm. portal was back in the day and they would get like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and I would just be at the bottom of the slush pile. Yeah, I feel like you have to do something else. Even if you have the greatest resume of all time, it yeah. would almost be funny to come up with the greatest possible resume. And, and just still, see- you would still be in the slush pile. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And see if it got picked out. So that's probably the dumb way to get a job and the dumb way to hire. That is a dumb way, but you know what is smart? Is it ZipRecruiter? You know, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them, which is huge. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for the job, so that perfect candidate would not go unnoticed. And then it actively invites them to apply, knocks on doors, says, apply to this freaking job. So you get quality candidates real fast. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. At ZipRecruiter.com slash eat. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash eat. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Up next, another thing that dies in restaurants is relationships. Mm. Not even a stretch. They do sometimes. All the time. Um, I met two chefs while working on a thing. Katrina Zito and Sarah Cooper, the head chef and sous chef of a restaurant that we love called St. Anselm. My... Personal favorite restaurant. Personal favorite restaurant? Yeah. You didn't even say that to them. I didn't want to be weird. I didn't want them I didn't want them to know. Personal well, now they will. Anyway, because of the unique we'll get into this because of the unique setup of St. Anselm, they witness a shit ton of breakups and awkward relationship fights. So we wanted to have them on to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Why do people go to restaurants to break up with people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've we've talked about this a lot. And there's a lot of theories. I think there's uh, some very, uh, you know, public space, yeah. um, high expectations of your meal, your experience, and then it just really crumbles. You throw alcohol in the mix. I think St. Anselm is unique in experiencing breakups because they cook on a line right, you're that in, is directly oh, yeah. in front of six people. How many seats is it? Eight eight seats? Seven right in front of us. Seven right yeah, in front of right, you guys. Right in front of your face. Right in front of us, so like, reach out and touch you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're facing us, too. So you right. feel like you're kind of, you know, in the breakup. There's a right. lot of seats <laughs> in the restaurant as well. How many, how many uh, tables? How many? 40, uh, right around 45. 45. But the best seats are the ones right in front of the grill. Oh, they're the best. So you, We think so. So if you're, <laughs> if you're on a date, you kind of want to be there. Yeah, it's also like for an early date, it's kind of like going to a movie a little bit. You don't have to necessarily face yeah. each other and yeah. do the candlelit. Thing. And you if you run out of things to talk about, you'd be like, "Well, look at that eggplant. Yeah, yeah, like, check out steak. the steak." Oh my, my dad God. always used to tell me that he was like, "You got to go for teppanyaki or like which is uh, <laughs> totally yeah, like, like, yeah. interactive." I know you're not going to have anything to talk about, so you talk about the flaming onion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Totally. Yeah, I mean, St. Anselm is definitely unique. You know, in all of our restaurant experience, though, this happens, like, everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, it's definitely, like, restaurants are the places that people go and fight. The answer to your first question is that there is no reason why. It doesn't make any fucking sense. (laughs) Like, I'm going to spend a bunch of money to have a public argument with a person, like, why? Why? It doesn't make any sense. So There's how no, uh, how often are you seeing this? Every every shift. Every shift. Every pretty oh much every shift. We'll <laughs> oh see somebody. God. We'll see some. I mean, also occasionally it comes all the way back around. Like things will be fine. Two glasses what? of wine down. I can't believe this. And then their body language changes. Oh and then by dessert they're getting all cuddly again. It's the 
it's not always a solid breakup. You know, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> it's, it's a, a fight. Oh also, God. though, sometimes you know you have a solid breakup, and then the people come back and they're back together at another time. Oh wow! Yeah, like two you weeks see, later, uh, you see a, a lot of repeat, or they come back with someone else, or you know. The PSA here is that if you think that you're anonymous, but the cooks are watching you. There, yeah, <laughs> everyone knows what well, you did people, two weeks I think ago. As a diner, you're paranoid. Like they're listening to every single thing I say, and they're like, no. Of course not. And it's like, well, what else is happening? Is your, yeah. Because <laughs> there's no other conversation yeah. happening, so you're just listening to whatever people are talking about. Which is funny because you mentioned that people will be like, that's not how I cook my steak. Or you like, here's something like that too. Yeah, you hear all the little uh, criticisms. I think in some kitchens there's more, uh, you know, you're talking to each other more. But, you know, when Sarah and I work together, we don't have to talk to each other anymore about work. <laughs> well, it's a small space. So, there aren't yeah. that many of you in there. You know, because you're just, you know what you know what everybody's doing. So then you're just kind of listening and watching and, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, we're watching for good reasons, too. Like, oh, are they finished with their appetizers? <laughs> yeah. Do they need a new fork? You know, we're watching it. for yeah. professional reasons. But if there's drama, we're just like, oh, table seven. <laughs> like, discreetly. Any, like, like, notable <laughs> fights? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> there are some notable fights. We were, uh, a coworker was reminding us of uh, a person who threw a glass of water in a guy's face. <gasps> After, like, I don't know, a second or third date or something like that. And then, uh, what, she stayed and she left? She stayed and the uh, guys at another table were like, hey, are you okay? Like, let's be friends. (laughs) Um, There was a great one uh, where somebody went to, the guy went to the bathroom and the girl started looking at his phone. (gasps) And then he came back and that was a big blow up. Huge, like, yelling. Because he had, obviously he had been texting somebody else or hadn't deleted his Tinder account or something. I have never, I really don't think I've ever had anything on my phone that I wouldn't want someone I was dating to see, but I would never leave my phone on the table. I mean, this is within three seconds of him going to the bathroom. She was like, swoop. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, and here we go. (laughs) She was already, she was formulating her argument before he was even done. Uh, Yeah, there's, I mean, the behavior of what happens after the fighting too is also really interesting because a lot of times, you know, they will leave together. They'll leave separately. Someone will stay. Sometimes someone will stay and finish the whole meal. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some, and a lot of times, you know, they are, people get, they spend a lot of money mm. and they don't want the food or, you know, it's just... One time a guy stormed out and less than 10 minutes later, another guy came and sat with the girl <gasps> and ate the dude's food. Oh he never came God. back, but he, like, had pre-ordered dinner with this girl. Like, I guess they were Well, the like, steak is really good and what it's did expensive. You say? She was like, can you? Can we just get a new uh, place? She just asked me <laughs> <for the supperware. laughs> We're joking. And we're was, like, like, relatively unfazed by it. She was like, can I get a clean fork for my, like, new boyfriend? Good for her, though. <laughs> so do you think we're, like, 50-50 on planned breakups versus something going wrong and this just being... The moment it happens, you had a really good plan breakup story about oh, another, yeah. a different job, but at, at a different restaurant that had an open kitchen. Um, there were two girls at the end of the counter who were cousins, and their other cousin was at the other side of the counter, and they knew that she was going to break up with her boyfriend. So once she did it, they all sat together and then went out <laughs> afterwards. Wow, that's so which great. is like how supportive and wonderful yeah. you want your your it's like, like the reverse of when rockets fly into space and they lose all their support system. This was like yeah. rockets merge, merge. and they, like, were, we were they probably had you. a great night. Yeah, is it a good idea to? If you are breaking up with someone, is it is it a good idea to, to plan a restaurant thing? Like I just it not seems like a nice restaurant seems no. like a waste. Waste of money. You know? I feel like more planned breakups maybe happen like on a more casual level. I Park think bench. 
I Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah. Bar. I also bar, think it should bars be bars more of a daytime th- thing and like not a lot of booze involved. Yeah. yeah. Gets, it gets Coffee messy. Shops. I don't know. I've never really planned a breakup. I love that people just storm out, though. Oh, man. Also, our front door squeaks a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So you can, when you hear this, sometimes it's like a more forceful squeak, and they're like, oh, man, they really really left. (laughs) You guys have that huge tomahawk steak. Have you ever had someone, like, faced solo with a tomahawk steak? Yeah, take home. We've had a couple people take it to go. Maybe there was even someone who has left it for us to eat. I feel like that was one of the people that then they broke up and then came back like yes. a week later and they were good, but they were, you know, right. it wasn't like sorry about last are week. Are they sheepish? Was, yeah, they're like, no, people so are, we're good. Sorry you saw that. Most people are pretty brazen. Yeah. They're not. But, you know, that's, <laughs> it's also like, like I think it's kind of a positive thing that we make people so comfortable that they uh, you know, <laughs> air all of their really... dirty laundry in front of you. Yeah. Do you talk to other friends who work in open kitchens as well? Like, is this do you think it's a uniquely St. Anselm thing? Is there something in the air there? No, I think it's every restaurant I've ever worked at. I mean, open kitchens everywhere. It's like the people just go out. They, you know, again, it's like they have expectations mm-hmm. of their night. They're not met. You add a little wine to that or mm-hmm. alcohol and then people just kind of start to fall apart sometimes they're hungry and then by the time they've started fighting you know I feel like if it happened to me I would immediately talk to you guys I'd be like hey guys you see that (laughs) (laughs) I think if somebody did reach out I mean we're basically like sports commentating on (laughs) (laughs) yeah we saw that we We were at about minute three when uh, (laughs) (laughs) we could tell it went wrong when totally When I you, think when you walked in, <laughs> <laughs> I think too. It's like you know, generally speaking, I guess at least to the people that I have worked with in you know restaurants in past and present, you know the restaurant industry, like the the drama of watching people and like kind of you know being in tune with what's going on with people is very common. It's mm-hmm. you know you you can't help yeah. it. You're it's cooking true. or you're serving. You're in whatever you know. Yeah. It's just part of the well, like. And people date so much in restaurants that you see all of the the highs and the lows. Yeah. Of all of what it. about dating app, like obvious dating app first dates when it's like, hey, uh, Mike? Like, do you <laughs> see those a lot? Sometimes I, I see more of um, there's one table in particular that I can always see the person whose back is to me. Um, they're still on Tinder <laughs> while they're on a date, table eight. I can every single time I'm like. That person is on a Tinder date on Tinder. Like this is <laughs> metadating. Like <laughs> we've reached the new. <laughs> it's also a risky first date because you're really putting in a lot of time between the wait and the meal. So yeah. we might not be the like. You're like hey, do you like want to eat two and a half hours? Third date spot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to get stuck with. Oh, we have to wait for two and a half hours. We don't like each other. I guess we're still gonna go <laughs> eat. Have any of you ever broken up in a restaurant? Yes. Wow. Yeah. I mean, at least a large fight that, like, led to a breakup. I don't think I have. No? But I've had a thousand. Not in a a good restaurant. (laughs) I've definitely had lots of fights in restaurants where I'm sure the wait staff were like, Mm -hmm. Jesus. Yeah, where you realize no one's come around for a while and you're out there by (laughs) yourself like, I'm sorry. This couple's not talking right now. (laughs) I definitely had, like, a really breathy argument. Like quietly <laughs> over a table, and um, I kept blowing out the candle, and eventually the person stopped coming to relight the candle, and I was like, oh, God, we did it now. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> That's great. You should have candles for each of your uh, bar diners, and you can blow them out when their relationships end. It'll be like yeah. a Survivor Aww. Island thing. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> We're Just sorry. <laughs> 
Final. Okay, last the tribe has spoken. <laughs> you can't have your breakup here anymore. <laughs> is it when you see really awkward dates or awkward fights? Is it painful for you, or do you kind of enjoy it? One hundred percent, both things. <laughs> Just, I I have a hard time if you can imagine keeping my mouth shut like a lot of I just want to be like shut up don't talk to her like that but it's also it really makes the time go when you get a good one we could talk about we could talk and not talk for hours yeah sometimes it can be uh, it can be pretty unbearable to have to sit through it or you know watch them sit through it Um, and you just want to be like just go Awesome. Well, thank you cool. so much. Thank for you for coming in. Yeah, thanks in. for having us. And yeah, hopefully there'll be a good one tonight. <laughs> hey, maybe so. If anybody maybe wants to no break, one up will tonight, break up tonight, tonight. Yeah, it'll just be, be love. <laughs> cool. Thanks, ladies. So, Dan, are you caught up on Boxes Explained? Almost. I am almost caught up. So the last one I watched was about the gender pay gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot about the gender pay gap, but I still like this episode because it's fun to get mad all over again. The secret about the gender pay gap is actually that it's a motherhood tax. Uh, so I'm not going to get into it because I'll let the Vox explain people do it. But you should check it out, especially if you are a parent or want to be a parent someday. Uh, I think the one Or you're a human being. Or you're a human being that cares about your fellow human beings. Everybody should watch it. Uh, The one coming up today is another one that everybody should watch. It is about water. And you might not think about water because it's easy for you to get clean water, but it is not easy for everyone in the world to get clean water. So So again, if you're a human being. If you are a human being and you care about other human beings, watch Explained. So today on the show, we are talking about things that die in restaurants. So we wanted to bring on our restaurant editor, Hillary Dixler, to talk about plants. Welcome to the show, Hillary. Thanks for having me. So first up, tell us about the big trend going on right now in restaurants, the big design trend. So one big trend uh, in restaurants, as in sort of the rest of the interior design space for the past couple of years, has been houseplants. Um, so greenery everywhere is sort of the the hot look. Like living walls. Living walls, um, vines coming from the ceiling, or, you know, sort of more uh, practically like filling shelves with plants or um, having sort of very lush displays of greenery somewhere in the restaurant. Uh, it's funny. I was out at a restaurant filled with plants recently with my husband, and he asked me, what's going to happen in the wintertime in New York with all these plants when it gets like cold and dry and these people don't know how to take care of them. And then mm. I read your piece. Yeah, if you fill your restaurants with plants and then don't properly care for them, the plants die. And beyond plants not looking their best, when plant care falters, it can end up leading to pest problems too. You know, plants can get fungus knocked if, the moist, if they're too moist. Um, some plants can get a pest called scale. Um, You can get spider mites. And this is stuff you just don't want in your restaurant. And have you seen this already? I have. That's what inspired me to write the piece, actually. I was at brunch at a really trendy sort of of the minute uh, Manhattan restaurant that had a lot of plants. And I noticed the plants that were stationed near my table were this sort of um, a display of succulents that were on death's door. And then it just kind of stuck with me <laughs> of like, well, this is a problem. Can you name names? Uh, 
I'm, I'm gonna let. You'd rather not. Yeah, I'd rather not. It feels a little. Take the mean. high road. I'm taking the high road. Right. <laughs> I do feel like though, out of out of all, out of all times when when we could publicly drag a res- restaurant, this one's pretty tame. <laughs> yeah, it's not the worst thing <laughs> you could do. The, it's I mean, not maybe the worst, covers, but who knows whose responsibility it was to take care of that? Like if they're putting that on <laughs> servers, I just don't want someone getting in trouble who doesn't deserve it. Yeah, Hillary, can you talk about the people who are like? You don't have to name names, but who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong? Like, I assume there are some restaurants that they just buy a bunch of plants and figure it will all work out. Like, they'll just water them and it'll be fine. Yeah, I think a, I think a few common traits of restaurants that are doing it poorly is it's really falling into the same problem that any sort of houseplant consumer can fall into where, you know, for example, you're like, oh, air plants, don't they eat air? That sounds easy. I'll put a bunch of air plants out on a table, but like actually air plants have a specific way they like to be watered or, um, you know, succulents are supposed to be easy, but actually they're, you know, they're living things that can die too. Um, so I think, um, in terms of the restaurants that are doing it right, there have been a few different approaches that I found in covering the piece at a place like Mimi's in Brooklyn. Um, the two owners, Libby Willis and Bill Clark, like they're avid houseplant enthusiasts in their own personal lives. So they sort of took lead on plant care in their restaurant. And they've been kind of just really on top of things. Or um, one of the restaurants I spoke with in San Francisco, they actually hired um, what was called a botanical design firm. So I guess that's like the kind of place where like, if you wanted a living wall, these people could create it for you. But like this botanical design firm now comes back to his restaurant and like makes sure the plants are doing well, takes away plants that aren't, replaces them, keeps an eye on the water, you know, like it's really like an all hands on deck type service. Yeah. I mean, you see that in, in, in big offices too. Like we work in a big corporate office and, we were told when we moved in, like, don't touch the plants. Don't water the plants. Don't do anything to the plants. This is a professional job that someone does. Because if you have multiple people in a space, they might see a plant and they're like, oh, it looks a little, it looks a little thirsty. I'll just water it. Mm. And then you end up with like an over... It's making me so stressed. <laughs> you end up with an overwatered plant that <laughs> ends up dying. One of the things that was sort of a common thread through the people that I talked to is, is that there's actually this difficulty in communication, that it's kind of a logistics problem of, like, how do you communicate who did what to what plant um, mm-hmm. as being sort of um, one check mark in the pros column of hiring someone else to deal with it. Or in the case of the Brooklyn restaurant Dion D, which is a Vietnamese restaurant in Williamsburg that's full of plants that are doing pretty well, from what I can tell. Um, for them, one of the owners just sort of is the project lead on plants. And it's his job <laughs> to make sure the plants are okay. Plant GM. But yeah, you, a lot can go wrong when you've got people being like, mm, I think it needs a little water and then being wrong about it. Uh, so any advice for restaurateurs who might want to follow this design trend? My advice would be do your research and, and do the work. If this is the trend you want to participate in, you either need to do the work yourself or pay someone to do the work. But keeping a lot of plants alive is is a project that needs to that needs care and attention. And um, if you listeners see any dead plants in restaurants, please send pics to upsell at eater.com and hillary at eater.com. And follow 
Hillary at Hillary Dixer Canavan to follow all of her plant advice because she is a personal plant lover and sometimes will even answer your questions about plants. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the Eater Upsell. Unlike all three things we have talked about in this episode, we are very much alive and we will all be alive next week, hopefully, to hopefully. continue to make and listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Smart Water. Not satisfied being like other brands, Smart Water looked up at the clouds and said, I wonder if we can one-up Mother Nature for a pure, crisper water. And guess what? They did. This is the kind of water that regular water gets jealous of. It's the water that refreshes like no other brand. Try it. Smart Water. Vapor distilled for purity, electrolytes for taste.